Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. On this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about travel, water, and we have part three of our interview with Paul Minter from the charity Head Up. Welcome one and all to another episode of The Kindness Project. Um, I'm feeling sad today, Charlotte, because we're in uh, regret at the moment, and normally uh, in when we record an episode of, a, of The Kindness Project, it's a bit of a three-hander, isn't it? It's yeah. me, you, and producer Rats, who all get involved in yeah. recording the podcast. That's only, like, a more recent development, because we used to just do it like this, like, yeah. just me and you, uh, and that was fine until we got Rats involved. I mean, Rats has been a legend. Yeah. Rats has been a legendary... Yeah, now it feels a bit sad to do it without Rats. Uh, but we've tried to do it with Rats, who's, who's not... Like died or anything. He's still about. He's, he's still, still like. About. He's We've still... just got a really bad Wi-Fi um, connection. But, but we are we are in Riga in Latvia at the moment recording this, um, and we just cannot get the Wi-Fi connection uh, of enough higher standard yeah. to record a podcast with yeah. Russ, who's in the greatest or near the greatest <laughs> in the world, Norwich. Um, so we are recording this independently. Where should we start in terms of our conversation today? Copenhagen? Uh, are we going to just talk about the travels we've been on to our audience? Sure. All right, that's fair enough. So just so you know, listeners, um, Charlotte and I are um, travelling around Europe at the minute. So started off in Copenhagen. Yeah. We uh, went to Malmo, got stuck in Malmo for a bit longer than we expected. Mm-hmm. Um, not a bad place to get stuck in, actually, yeah, Malmo. It's quite like, peaceful. Yeah, it's quite peaceful. You keep like, complaining about it because you think there wasn't enough to do. I, you know what? I, I think our, and this has been particularly um, prevalent when we've been talking about the places we've gone. I like a bit of liveliness, I like a bit of noise. You just want somewhere with birds and a park, don't you? I mean, I could have t- taken you to Romford to, to get oh, birds no, and Romford's a park. Oh, Romford's really noisy and it smells funny. Okay. Um, what I've also realised on the trip, something I didn't know about Charlotte, is how much you hate tap water. <laughs> I mean, literally, I've like, she, like, there's been a couple of times I've said, um, look, let's get some tap water, and Charlotte's gone, Oh, no, I can't drink tap water because what was the reason? Tell everybody what the reason is. <laughs> it tastes like licking a wet rock. It tastes like licking a wet rock. Now, I don't want to talk about the entitlement of youth, ladies and gents. Um, but Stick it in the fridge and the taste goes away. Uh, right. You just wait half hour. Ah, right, okay, so you're, you're okay with tap water, yeah. but not warm tap water. Not like... Fresh from the tap, tap water. Fresh from the tap. How about, like how about cold fresh from the tap? Is that all right? Mm, no? no? Still not good? I feel like there's something about the fridge that just, like... Something about the fridge that makes it cold. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you it... run a tap for ten seconds, it's cold. No, it's not the same. Right. So, well, I've, had, I've had a number of descriptions about <laughs> um, uh, tap water on this trip, ladies and gents. Let me tell you. Number one... A science classroom? It smells like a science classroom. Now, I don't... I, my experience with tap water has been pretty good, to be honest. I like a tap water. Number one, it smells like a science classroom. Number two, 
An excavation site. It smells and tastes like an excavation site. Now, I don't know where Charlotte's been drinking tap water to think that it smells that bad, but that's, that was number two. And number yeah, three... Like when they're digging up fossils. But, I mean, tap water's fine. It just tastes like rocks. Um, and then the third one, which is per- my personal favourite, do you want to tell everybody what you said drinking tap water was like? Licking a wet rock. Licking a wet rock. <laughs> All of the millions of us out there who put, drink <laughs> tap water uh, in a perfectly fine way, apparently we are drinking tap water uh, uh, and it's like licking a, a wet rock. It depends rock. on where you, where you go, where you get your tap water from, right? So where should we get a tap water? Not home. That tastes like a science classroom smells. Right. So not our um, house or not in the UK? Not our house. I'm not our house. Yeah, because if you go to different areas of the UK, their tap water tastes different. It does. It does. Um, Maybe you should do a tap water um, taste test. It's based on what they use to clean the water. And sometimes it's fine. And then most of the times it's just like you've overdone it. So where's the best tap water you've ever had? Remember when we were in Cornwall? Cornwall, go on. Um, Was that Cornwall? We were on that golf thing. Yeah, yeah. Tap water was fine there. Okay, so... Tap water's good by the sea. Ah, right. So it depends on where you are. Unofficial question of the podcast, because I don't think we're going to get many answers if we make this (laughs) an official question of the podcast. Um, Did two unofficial questions of the podcast. Number one, describe tap water in the most disparaging way possible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is the worst tap water you've ever had and what did it taste like? And number two, where's good tap water come from and where's poor tap water come from? Because Charlotte's theory is... The closer you are to the sea, the better the tap water tastes. What do we think, ladies and gents? Is that true or not? I I mean, I have got a poor sense of taste, so it might be me, but um, uh, I don't think it makes too much of a difference to where you are in terms of tap water. But it might be, like Charlotte said, an acquired taste. What I do want to do is move on to the official question of the podcast, which um, came from our night out in Riga last mm-hmm. night. So we uh, uh, we were travelling from um, Tallinn. Tallinn in Estonia to Riga in Latvia uh, all day yesterday. It was a long day spent mainly on trains and mainly sitting on the Estonian-Latvian border waiting for another train to come. Great tourist location. Great, great times. Valga, if you, if you get the chance, visit it. It's got a garage, a shop and a cafe. Um, and that's all we know about it. Um, uh, um, also that we don't know enough Estonian or Latvian to fit in. We, do, we definitely don't know any Estonian or Latvian. And to be frank, we are... Um, typical british tourists when it comes yeah. to that you know very poor at other languages whereas the europeans particularly yeah. in big cities are um Honours. Are, you know are you know multilingual amazing uh at sort of uh communicating with people that speak english really really good um we however are pretty useless at speaking estonian or latvian which didn't help when we were in a border town where nobody spoke english um uh, because i needed i needed we and needed 20 cents uh to to go away and i couldn't persuade anybody 
to lend me the equivalent of 20p for a P. Probably less than 20p. Yeah, it's a little bit less than 20p. Probably like 17, 18 pence. So um, I, I, uh, I definitely need to improve my foreign language skills, yeah. definitely. But we managed to get to Riga, uh, managed to get the right trains, managed to get to Riga, um, and uh, went out for the night. And after a session of hitting uh, some animals... By the way, we didn't hit the animals like we we're not going around smacking animals in Riga. There's a oh, there's a the <laughs> Charlotte's looking at me like I mean, what's it? Sorry, I don't, I don't remember slapping this. animals. There's a famous statue which is based on a um, fairy tale where there's some bronze statues of a pig, a chicken, there's a donkey on there. There's a donkey on there, um, and it, apparently it's good luck if you touch these uh, these animals' noses. Um, uh, so we did that, um, and then we went and had a burger, and then went wandering around Riga, we spotted an amazing band called... Groovy Boots. Groovy Boots. I can't find them anywhere on the internet, but they were very good. Uh, Now, the fact that we can't find them anywhere on the internet, um, you could argue that it may have been a figment of our imagination. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't. They were very, very good. Yeah, they um, had the, the stag boys all up and everything. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a rigorous stag do central, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, so uh, Groovy Boots were the name of the band. They were pretty amazing. Um, but, uh, and I managed to drag Charlotte up for a little bit of a dance. Uh, reluctantly, Charlotte, right? Yes. <laughs> you also stared at me until I started singing, yeah. which was not what All I good. wanted to do. All good. Um, but we had a little sing song, we had a little dance, um, and they finished the night on what I believe is one of the most classic songs to finish the night on, Hey Jude. By the Beatles, and everybody apart from Charlotte, who was doing it reluctantly, uh, was up singing and dancing, um, and it was pretty amazing. So, the question of the podcast that I want to ask today is I think Hey Jude is the definitive finish the night song, you know, it's the song that gets everybody up, everybody's singing, um, at the end of the night. Um, but what song in your opinion is the best song to finish night on now you said i think sweet caroline should be a contender see i think i think sweet caroline caroline is like a bat and that i mean sweet caroline is the song that i decided to sing on karaoke in tokyo if you remember um we did a lot of songs on karaoke in tokyo we did we did but um uh, Sweet Caroline's an amazing song. I don't know if it's a night finisher. Do you know what I mean? It gets everyone up on their feet. Yeah, so Charlotte's going for Sweet Caroline. What are you going for? We'd love to know your answer, and you can get in touch with us in the following ways. So if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Ola Kindness. If you want to find us on Facebook, it's The Kindness Project. Yeah. If you want to find the website, it's The Kindness Project Podcast. Into Google or www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. If you want to email us directly, it's honor at thekindnessproject.co.uk. If you want to find. Uh, go on. Find what? If you want to 
uh, find the way to Riga, just Google Maps it, really. If uh, you want to find where my brain went, <laughs> ask me later when the caffeine hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So wait, wait, wait till the coffee kicks in. So, uh, ladies and gents, we are in Riga. We are uh, doing our first international episode of the Kindness Project. Maybe the last. Um, uh, and we are sort of uh, traipsing around Europe, um, having a good time. Uh, please do get in touch with us. When does, uh, the, when does this go out? You know what? We might be back by the time this goes out. But, um, uh, yeah, certainly get in touch with us to answer the question of the podcast. We would love, absolutely love to hear from you. Uh, On that note, we're going to move on with the show and we are going to do... Kindness news. And we've got a couple of um, good bits of kindness news uh, this this week. Um, Let me tell you um, what they are. First one is from the Mirror, um, and uh, it's a football-related story. Um, the uh, and it's taken ages to come up, which it will in a minute. Do you want to? Should we just have while we're waiting for this um, uh, news article to come up? Should we have a little bit of Hey Jude? No. La la no. la. No, right, okay, fair God, enough. Someone's wearing headphones right now. Um, okay, Mo Salah. And Sadio Mane both transforming home villages in heroic acts of kindness. Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, um, who, if you don't know, are um, Liverpool footballers. That's good, because I didn't know. No. Um, uh, Have both pledged thousands of pounds to charity in recent years to support their um, local villages. Liverpool forward Moan Salah was born in Nagrig, a village near the Egyptian city uh, own. His teammate Main is on the verge of completing the move to Bayern Munich. So he's at Liverpool at the minute, he's moved to Bayern Munich. Was born in the village of Bambali, located in the CDU department of Senegal. Main recently visited Bambali after spending almost £750,000 on new buildings, including a hospital, school, post office and petrol station. The hospital, which costs £455,000 to build, serves 34 nearby villages. Bambali has a population of around 2,000. Main has also pledged to give each family in Bambali monthly 70 euros support package uh, and returned home to plan a charity match alongside Premier League stars Cissé and Diouf. The latter played for Liverpool between 2002 and 2004. Salah, meanwhile, has helped build a hospital, school, youth centre and ambulance unit in the Greek. The 85 cap Egyptian international has also provided five acres of land for the waste treatment plant, allowing residents to have a safe source of clean water. Reports last night suggested Salah had donated more than £400,000 to help his hometown. As quoted by the Liverpool Echo, um, uh, Maher Shetia, the mayor of the Greek, praised the prolific forward for his philanthropic work. Salah highlighted his small village on the international map, says Shitia. He also built a charity and will build a school that costs millions. This in addition to his donations to the hospital, uh, which has created a complete ventilation room, incubations and an ambulance unit. 
Salah even rejected the offer of a luxury villa from Mahmoud Abbas, the former president of Egyptian club Zamalek, after firing his country to the World Club Cup in Russia four years ago. That was Egypt's first World Cup final since 1990. The talismanic footballer instead asked Abbas to make a charitable donation to his local village. Salah comes to the village when, where possible and walks among the people and takes photos with them so modestly. All the Egyptians, not only those of the Greek or the Garbia province, are really, really proud of him. I love that. Absolutely mm. love that. The, the reality is, if we can, if you get lucky enough in in life that you can actually um, give back to the communities wh- where you're from. Yeah. And look, I mean, footballers. Um, there's a there's an argument to be had about whether footballers get paid too much mm. and whether they um, whether they um, need that amount of money. But certainly, the, for the ones that are giving back yeah. to the communities that have helped them and and and, and gotten there, that's really really important. Mm. Don't you think? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think if. You have been given sort of a chance. Um, it's sort of important to pay it back. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. And like, even if it wasn't that much of a push that you received, you got a sort of. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I think genuinely in the, in the Western world, we take a lot for granted. Yeah. You know, we take like access to healthcare, access to education, access to all of this stuff for granted. And there are certain parts of the world where they just they just don't get that. Yeah. And if um, somebody from that part of the world recognises that they can give back to those communities, why not do that? I absolutely love that. Charlotte, can you do the next story? Of course I can. Amazing. Good stuff. Scottish Islanders save US couples wedding after their luggage gets lost. It was perfectly imperfect wedding that has won the Scottish island of Skye an international reputation for kindness. Amanda and Paul Riesel flew more than 4,000 miles from Orlando, Florida to get married on Skye in the Highlands. It was a wedding that had been two years in the planning, costing the school's school meal supervisor and her groom more than £12,000. But their dream began to fall apart after their plane was diverted to Philadelphia, a detour that led to three days of delays with the couple stuck in different airports along the way. The exhausted couple eventually arrived on Sky at about 11pm on Monday, the night before their wedding, only discovered that all their luggage had disappeared. With no wedding dress or suit, they were ready to call off the wedding. We didn't know the luggage hadn't made it until we were in Inverness, said Amanda, who had fortunately carried the wedding rings and flower in our hand, flowers in our hand luggage. We got to the luggage carousel to see it was completely empty and our bags were not there. It dawned on me that we would have had to have to cancel and there was nothing else I could do. But they had reckoned without the determination of their local photographer, Rosie Woodhouse, and the kindness of the islanders. I told them I was sure I could make this work, said Woodhouse. Sky is an amazing place. Shortly before midnight on Monday, Woodhouse posted an appeal on Sky's social media site. By 7.30am on Tuesday, she had been flooded with offers of help. By 10am, Amanda had eight wedding dresses of her size to choose from, and Paul had a full kilt set. Amanda managed to source makeup from a local chemist, and Woodhouse gave the couple a home-cooked meal at her home. Rosie did all of this. I was oblivious to all the work that went on in the background. In the middle of night, people responded. One woman even dropped off normal clothes to help. 
we woke up to this beautiful thing orchestrated for us. Because of her perseverance, we got married. Every single person Rosie introduced us to and that offered to help will forever have a place in our hearts. The people of Sky will be famous in Orlando because we will tell anyone who will listen that there are reasons our love was cemented into a perfect, oh, perfect Amanda said, oh, said that fate oh, must have had a hand in her happy day because she ended up wearing the dress of local school meal <laughs> supervisor. Um, uh, local broad for primary dinner lady Teresa was the owner of my dress. And I'm also a dinner lady back home, she said. Wearing it meant even more to me knowing it came from someone who loves and feeds certain students like I do. What an amazing coincidence, but also such a lovely story. I mean, I, I think the reality of it is when given the chance, people can be amazingly yeah. generous, can't you? And like having somebody to sort of collate that and make sure that um that was all organised. And you know, we we talked about sort of some of the downsides of social media um on the podcast before. But one of the amazing things that can be used for is to just connect communities yeah. Um, to, to support and help each other. You know, in our local one where we live, I've seen, like, mum, Cassie, my wife, Cassie, just reach out and really yeah. help people. And it happens all the time in some yeah, of those local we, groups. Yeah, we've been really helpful like, as well. Like, a couple of times during lockdown, our like, boiler went down and mum immediately had someone yeah. come and help because... She just reached out on social media and it was like... Yeah, yeah. And and this is the thing. I mean, I think social media is amazing, actually, for being a good conduit to, to get the support yeah. you need. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, that's it for Kindness News. Uh, let's move on to our interview for this week. And we've got part three of our interview with Paul Minter from the charity Head Up. Paul Minter's doing something amazing at the minute because uh-huh. he's running around the UK. Do we know where he is right now? Oh, do you know what? I've lost track. Um, uh, and the problem is because this is going to go out three weeks after um, uh, after uh we uh, we actually recalled, we're going to be in a position where it's running so fast, it's going to be somewhere else. Um, but what I would recommend you do, if you're interested in Paul's work, one of the things he shares in this part of the interview is where you can find him online. Yes. So check him out. Make sure you're, uh, you're aware of where he is um, because certainly um, it's worth... Yeah. Uh, looking at his amazing work, looking at the work he's doing um, and uh, uh, donating if you can, if it, if it moves you to, to, to do that. Uh, should we listen to the last part mm-hmm. of the interview? Yep. Right, what are you looking forward to the most? What what things on the list? It sounds like the support on the South Coast is going to be amazing. Yeah, but the, the thing I look forward to the most is the not knowing what's coming in the day. I wake up in the day and I think, what is going to happen today? Because so much happens. Like so many people I meet. Um, I, like I said, I stay with a new family and, and I, I get talking to them. I've made, I made some really good, strong bonds and connections with people. I've, you know, I've made, I think, hundreds of friends in the last few months, which is probably more than I've made in my lifetime. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing is, is as you say I, I, earlier on, everybody's got the story, haven't they? You know, everybody has got their own unique story and relationship with mental health. You know, it's that it's that element that 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 keeps it interesting. Um, and and how about finishing? Are you are you even are you even thinking about that yet? Or 
Oh, I, I do think about it a lot, but in a very, very distant part of my brain because it's not yeah. till the fourth of October, so it's a long way to go. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you you know that it's there, but you you just still got to put the work in to to, to get there, haven't you? Um, now, now I want to talk a little bit about mental health because this is one of the you know the, the main thing we want to sort of showcase into in terms of uh the reason you're doing all this if you had a magic wand and you could provide the support that the people leaving the armed forces needed immediately what would that look like how what would you what would you do actively to make sure that people felt adequately supported when they left uh service i think one of the first things would be would be to give people real life um, talks. So people who have been in that position, what they've done, the struggles they had, what how did they overcome them, what would they do differently? So let people have give give people a more of a re- realistic approach, as in to create, going into civilian life. Then I would do what we're what we're doing at, at the retreat and teach them, uh, put their put them in a great headspace, relax them, calm them down. Um, um, and then teach them different methods and how they can improve their day, their day-to-day life uh, through different um, tools and, and, and techniques. And then I think we would, you know, you'd make sure that they've got somewhere safe, make sure they've got a home, you know, because a lot of people come out and they go homeless for well, yeah. many different reasons. Make sure they've got a home. And if they haven't got a home, you don't release them. If they haven't got a job, they don't get released. They stay yeah. where they are until that still in place. Do you, do you think a lot of that's about that loss of purpose? You know, as you say, you're in that you're in that situation. You've got a purpose. You're part of the team. You're part of this really institutionalized, you know, uh, situation. And then you're left like, see, like, uh, you know, you've got, and then you just lose all sense of purpose and meaning. And you've got to try and re explore that. What do you think? Yeah, I think mean, it's it's very true. And well. Some people join the armed forces and they've come from not, I mean, not everyone, but some have come from really bad backgrounds. Some people have left, some people have joined to get away from that. So then when they leave in, so some people might leave after four or five years. Some people get injured quite quickly for various different reasons and they have to leave. But once you're, once you're no good to the armed forces, there's no point in paying you and keeping you on their books. So they they release you. Um, And then they've got to go back to that place. So if they, so, you know, they, it's, it's the place that they join to get away from, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, the place and the people, and it can be very easy to fall back into old habits or old ways um, if they haven't found new a new place to to habitat. Um, so yeah, it, it, the transition can be very difficult, and no. you've lost. Yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I suppose there's an element of hearing the stories of people who've gone through the similar sort of experience because you know for somebody who hasn't gone through a similar sort of you know experience in terms of you know being in the forces and seeing combat and all of that sort of stuff you know potentially there's an argument where you don't know enough about that person's life to help them right and that's why you need people who have actually gone through it yeah, and there's also a real connection with yeah. um, talking to someone. You know, you could be, if I was a teacher, for example, um, or sorry, me, me talking with, speaking with a teacher or speaking with, I don't know, a farmer might not have the same relation. A farmer would be like, okay, I appreciate you talking with me, but you don't actually know what I've been doing. Yeah. So 
maybe another farmer talking to a farmer will be ideal, you know? Yeah, it's it's that it's that community of all shared experience, isn't it? And I suppose in the when you've been in combat and been in forces, that shared experience is str- creates a stronger bond than a lot of different other professions. You know, it's interesting. And there, there's things that you just wouldn't share with some people. There's yeah. things that happen in Afghanistan, for example, that you just wouldn't share that story with them. I mean, we 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 can all relate to you know, our granddads or whoever it may be that came back from the war and they sat in the pub and they never spoke about the war. But yeah. you put you put you sit him down with someone that he was probably there with. Similar, yeah. They would talk they'll talk all night long, but they wouldn't say it in front of other people. Why why do you think that is? I think it's very difficult to comprehend. Um no, we're talking about death, we're talking about killing, we're talking about lots of uh, unpleasant stuff and one people wouldn't want to um expose people to that yeah um and two they wouldn't what they don't want to feel judged either yeah, yeah. um so that there, there's, there's many different reasons um but if someone's been there they've got that experience they understand and it doesn't mean that that, that someone else you know for example speaking to you doesn't mean that you can't um, empathize or uh you know uh, have a, an I'll, I'll, I'll never know i'll never know what it's like and that's the reality of it you know that, that yeah that I, I i i complete i completely get that so you've spoken about sort of the support you're hoping to provide with the with the money you're raising but if you if you um could sort of provide that support sorry i've worded this wrong <laughs> you went you went down like you went down a, you know you know what that reminded me of that was like a verbal snake that just like curved round and you couldn't get it back start again <laughs> uh, so you've spoken about the support you're hoping to provide with the money you're raising but if um in the long term what kind of support do you think is best for members and ex-members mental health wise like in the ideal world what is the support you hope you can provide well, that's a fantastic question, actually. And our long-term goal is to try to influence the armed forces into providing daily or, you know, put, we're, we're fit, the armed forces are very good at being physically fit constantly. Every single day, they're doing physical activities. Uh, you get praised very highly. You go away on all sorts of different sporting um, adventures. But what they don't do is they don't work on the mind as well. And yeah. the mind is it's a very powerful and fragile thing and it needs to be looked after just like the body does. Yeah. And we would really like to Im- implement this, our techniques and, and, and awareness and understanding into the armed forces. So I think we need to try and get in early, get in constantly with the armed forces and, and making it a daily thing that they, they work on and talk about. Yeah, and that that journaling element, that writing down your thoughts, is is that a technique that you use, and how, how do you find it sort of? How do you find it useful? It's really good. Uh, it's a very good technique, just to to load dump, especially at the end end of a day. You know, you've got over, we do what 70,000 thoughts throughout throughout our day, consciously or subconsciously. Um, our brain is just is is running wild at the end of the day when you're trying to settle down. Um, and you just if you just write down a few things about how you're feeling, what you've been up to, maybe even some some po- the positive things throughout the day. Because as human beings, we kind of 
we, we, we know there's lots of positive stuff throughout the day, but we kind of put that to one side and we let the negative stuff kind of um, mold over in, in our brain. So yeah. to, re- to reflect that, to reflect on all the positive things throughout the day and actually see them physically written down. And you yeah. go, oh, you know what? My day wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. But, but also just to take some of the negative stuff and put it down, then helps you just remove it from there and just, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm conscious now that I'm... T- I'm, I'm doing physical stuff on a podcast which doesn't work at all so remove it from your head and then just put it on a page then it actually it on the page to a certain extent you haven't got to worry about it so much now paul you know you've shared some amazing stuff and I, I've, I've really enjoyed sort of hearing about the story in your journey one thing i do want to leave our uh, listeners with is a couple of practical tips so talk to me about what you do to manage your own mental health the tips you share with veteran veterans in terms of what's helped them um, and what can people practically do if they're struggling to make sure that they're in a better place and journaling is one of them what other stuff would you recommend i would say we get consumed by our four walls very quickly. We get consumed by our television, staring into TV. We're, we're, as, as human beings, we're not meant to be indoors staring at a television day after day. Um, so I think one of the first things I did when I was in a bad place is I actually got rid of my TV. And I'm not saying TV is completely bad, but we can just sit there for hours and hours watching drama, watching negative yeah, stuff going I on. I agree. Yeah. So just try to, yeah. I try, try to reduce the amount of negativity that is being consumed by your brain. You know, um, replace it with. I think what's a re- really good thing to do is watch like uh, motivational, um, positive films. Or you know, there's loads out there that make you feel good. Feel good films um, like and wildlife wildlife programs like David Attenborough. Who 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 doesn't sit down and watch one of them and, and doesn't come away feeling, uh, you know. There was that one with the mongoose that I, that I love. You know that clip? What, is it a lizard running along? The lizard and the snake. That is oh, amazing. Yeah. I just love that. I remember the first yeah. time we watched that and we were all sat on the side. We were all cheering on the lizard, right? It's just really getting into this lizard escape. I absolutely loved it. But I think I think your point is, a, is an absolutely accurate one. You know, sometimes it's so easy to passively take on the drama that we choose to watch and why do we you know managing what we take in as human beings surely can have a positive impact i think that's an amazing tip yeah i mean i mean i used to watch it and i'm not saying it's bad but my, my I, sometimes i go to my mum's and she's watching extenders and it's just constant shouting and oh. everyone's sleeping with everyone and everyone's doing like all sorts of naughties with everyone and killing each other and i'm like Blimey, you know, when you take a step back, that's like there's some extreme stuff going on. What, why, why are you obsessed with watching it? Why would you choose to, yeah, no, you know what? If if people, yeah, I mean, throwing away your telly is quite an extreme one, but I, I think in terms of managing the the inputs you have to your brain, you know, that that is super powerful. Uh, where can people find out more about you, you run, and the charity in general? So we're called Head Up Charity. So if you Google Head Up Charity, you'll everything should come up. We're on all the social medias. Again, just put in Head Up Charity. Um, check out the website. We've got you can download the brochure on the website. So you can actually see everything that we're doing. Uh, all the links are on there. There's a link to 
my page where I'm doing personally for my challenge. You can see what the other three are doing because they're doing some crazy stuff. Um, and yeah, everything's on there. You can you can see like I say, all social medias as well. Amazing. All right. Well, what we'll make sure is when this interview goes out, uh, I'm sure you'll still be running around the UK. Um, we'll uh, make sure we put the links on the show notes so that uh, people can follow you and go from there. Thank you so much, bro. I've really enjoyed this morning. Me too. Thank you both so much. So that was the last part of the interview. That was good, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, was really good. Um, let's move to the next set. It's the end of another podcast. At the end is never truly the end. It's the end. Did I do the wrong bit? No, that's oh. all good. Um, and we haven't got our mugs today because we're travelling. So we haven't got our kindness project mugs that very kindly Russ managed to source us. Um, thank you, Russ. Um, uh, but the um, the big question in the podcast, which we were amazed, got so many answers, uh, was. Who is your favourite Steve? <laughs> uh, now you were you you didn't think we were going to get loads of answers for this, but everybody uh, seems to have a favourite Steve. Um, uh, so let's talk about it. Number one, uh, Victor Sachs said Steve uh, Austin, the six million dollar man. Now you won't even know what that is, but there was a show from the seventies called The Six Million Dollar Man that was amazing. Matt. Warren hasn't gone for one favourite Steve. He's gone for four favourite Steves. Uh, Steve Walsh uh, from Leicester City. Steve Claridge from Leicester City Football Club. Steve Harris, who's the uh, who's in the band Iron Maiden, and Stone Cold Steve Austin from the WWE. <laughs> so he's got football, rock music, and wrestling. Um, Mike Christie went. Steve from the gym. Now, 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 Steve Dan from the gym. Uh, my mate Steve um, <laughs> is is a bit of a legend. Yeah, he's a he's a bit of a legend. Because um, uh, Mike, anybody who knows Steve, um, has actually put Steve as their, as their favourite Steve. So Mike and Sean, who are both really good friends of mine, um, said Steve Dan is my favourite Steve. And then Steve Dan has emailed <laughs> in and just went. My favourite Steve is me. I mean, don't nominate yourself, Steve. What is going on with that? Um, Andrew Elliott said his favourite Steve is snooker player Steve Davis. Um, uh, Kevin Holt said Stephen Steve O'Donovan. Oh, Steve Donovan. He's a good Steve. Uh, he's an amazing Steve. Ian Els said Steve McQueen, who was an actor. Carol Housey said. Steve Davis, and she's done something really interesting here. Steve E. Wonder. Now, I'll let that go because Steve E. Wonder is a Steve, isn't he? Um, Kelly Bater said, My dad's called Steve, he's my favourite Steve. Ah, oh, that's nice. Jade Foster Derrick said, Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. Now, who Good is character. that? Good character. Uh, uh, right. He he got a lot better um in the second season, I will be honest, because he was kind of mean in the first one. But he's redeemed itself in season yeah. two. Yeah. What what um series of Stranger Things have we on now? There's been four released. Four released and five to come. Yeah, so five's supposed to come out next year. Five. Okay. Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. Uh Patrick Floyd said my most favourite Steve would have to be Steve McQueen. Or Stevie Nicks, that's a good one. Uh, Al McCann said Steve Redgrave, who's a rower. 
Victoria Alice, her dad's called Steve. <laughs> um, uh, David Hearn, genius answer. Thank you, Mr. Hearn, for this. He said, I hear Steve, but I think you mean Alan. Now, Alan, 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 Alan oh, that's Steve, Alan. Steve. That's Alan, that's Steve. Steve, Steve, Steve. Now, if you've never, if you've never ever, <laughs> seen the walk on the wild side clip and I'm just going to have to watch it now because I, I haven't seen it in ages and it always makes me chuckle. <laughs> the walk on the wild side clip where there's just a bloke, you know, there's not there's not. There's a prairie dog just um, going Alan, Alan, Alan and then his mate says that's not Alan, that's Steve. Steve, Steve that, just give it Wait, a watch. No, that might actually be Alan. <laughs> <laughs> just watch it, and we'll we'll put a link to the YouTube video on the show notes. Mark Bartley said Steve Rogers. Um, uh, well, the pig- Sam Sam Chilton went for her husband, Steve Chilton. <laughs> um, Phil Fitzgibbon said Steven Spielberg. Phil Gray said Steve Jobs. Uh, Cassie Dame said Steve Chilton. Robbie White said Steve McQueen. And my favourite nephew, Stevie Parker. Sandra Connington said Steve McQueen. Mandy Medlock said uh, Steve Austin, the $6 million man. He was my first crush. Caroline Thompson went Steve Irwin. John Cook went West Ham legend Stevie Potts. Uh, Brian Hill just put a picture of a, a... Prairie Dog. Uh, Catherine Knowles said Steve Irwin. Victor Sachs went for the $6 million man. So we love Steve's, clearly. <laughs> As a community, we love a bit of the Steve action going on in our life, I'm don't surprised. we? I'm well, surprised. You, everyone who follows you on Facebook on Twitter is sort of a certain age. No one, <laughs> Go on. no one mentioned... Um, the, the Minecraft, Steve. Minecraft, Steve. That might be a good choice, actually. Um, uh, now, what we do need is another name. Because even though next week's question of the podcast is going to be about songs... Um, Mike. Mike might be a good one. Uh, we need another name to pick. So leave, leave us with that. Uh, leave us with that one, uh, podcast listeners. We will keep you posted. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you on the podcast next week. Bye. Bye.